Hi, I'm Carmen LeBurge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Inspiring you to bring God back into the conversation of the day. This is Mornings with Carmen LeBurge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles, arms now wide. If we're gonna fear, we fear no evil. We will rise by your power. We will go by your spirit. We are bold. If we're gonna stand, we stand as giants. If we're gonna walk, we walk as lions. Good morning. It's Tuesday of Thanksgiving week. I'm Carmen LaBurge. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen here on the Faith Radio Network. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you haven't signed up already, time is running uh, short. TikTok, TikTok for um, our Reading the Bible Together Advent Study Series Project Thingamajig. So go to MyFaithRadio.com and sign up today. You don't want to miss out. Um, it's going to be a wonderful opportunity for us to read the Word of God together during the season of Advent. Each and every one of our um, Bible readings during Advent are going to be keyed to that. And so please sign up to join me in reading the Bible together during Advent. You can do that at MyFaithRadio.com. Today's Growing Your Faith verse of the day on this Tasty Tuesday when we're going to taste and see that the Lord is good. Um, Today's Growing Your Faith verse of the day comes from Psalm 37. Now, it's the walk-off verses. It's verses 39 and 40. So I'm going to read these, and immediately you're going to you're going to raise your eyebrows and then furrow them because you're going to raise your eyebrows so grateful that God rescues the ungodly, and then you're going to furrow your eyebrows because you certainly know um, godly people who are not rescued. Like, you're, you're just going to be like, okay, there's a lot of bad things that happen to a lot of really good people, and so how does that, how do we square this circle? We're going to talk about that in just a moment. So Psalm 37 Verses 39 and 40. These are the walk-off verses of Psalm 37. The Lord rescues the godly. He's their fortress in times of trouble. The Lord helps them, rescuing them from the wicked. He saves them, and they find shelter in him. So God is a shelter to whom we run and in whom we find our help. The psalmist describes God as a fortress to whom we can run in times of trouble. The one who helps those who seek refuge in him. The one who rescues the godly from the wicked. The one who literally saves. Which implies that we live in a day and a time in a world where fortresses are necessary because trouble is real. Where help is necessary and rescue is necessary because wickedness is real. Where saving and salvation is necessary and shelter is necessary because threats abound on all sides. So you and I have lived long enough to know that um, the context for these verses about being rescued and, and saved and helped, um, that, the, that the context of these verses matter because we certainly know godly people who have suffered and died at the hands of the wicked. We know people who um, live utterly wicked lives and yet enjoy material wealth and positions of power and authority. And, and we know godly people who are living as famished refugees right now all over the world. So how is God helping them? How is God a fortress and a refuge for them? Where is their savior from the wicked? Those are legitimate questions. And we don't shy away from hard questions. Um, We look for the answer that God provides. So we need to consider the context of verses 39 and 40 by reading the entirety of Psalm 37. 
This is the word of the Lord. Do not fret because of those who are evil or be anxious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil. For those who are evil will be destroyed, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. A little while, and the, and the wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, they will not be found. But the meek will inherit the land and enjoy peace and prosperity. The wicked plot against the righteous and gnash their teeth at them. But the Lord laughs at the wicked, for he knows their day is coming. The wicked draw the sword and bend the bow to bring down the poor and the needy to slay those whose ways are upright. But their swords will pierce their own hearts and their bows will be broken. Better the little the righteous have than the wealth of many who are wicked. For the power of the wicked will be broken. The Lord upholds the righteous. The blameless spend their days under the Lord's care and their inheritance will endure forever. In times of disaster, they will not wither. In days of famine, they will have plenty. But the wicked will perish. Though the Lord's enemies are like flowers of the field today, they will be consumed up in the smoke. The wicked borrow and do not repay. The righteous give generously and the Lord blesses. But those he curses will be destroyed. The Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. Though he may stumble, he will not fall. For the Lord upholds him with his right hand. I was young and now I'm old, and yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken or the children begging for bread go unfilled. Be generous, lend freely. Let children be a blessing, turn from evil and do good. Then you will dwell in the land of the Lord forever, for the Lord loves the just and will not forsake his faithful ones. Wrongdoers will completely be destroyed. The offspring of the wicked will perish. The righteous will inherit the land and dwell in it forever. The mouths of the righteous utter wisdom. Their tongues speak that which is just. The law of their God is in their hearts. Their feet do not slip. The wicked lie in wait for the righteous. Yes, intent on putting them to death. But the Lord will not leave them in the power of the wicked, nor let them be condemned when brought to trial. Hope in the Lord and keep his way. He will exalt you to inherit the land. When the wicked be destroyed, you will be set free and you will see it. I have seen a wicked and ruthless man flourishing like a luxuriant native tree, but he soon passed away and was no more. Though I looked for him, he could not be found. Consider then the blameless, observe the upright. The future awaits those who seek peace. All sinners will be destroyed. There will be no future for the wicked. The salvation of the righteous comes from the Lord. He is their stronghold in times of trouble. The Lord helps them and delivers them. He delivers them from the wicked and saves them because they take refuge in him. Friends, take refuge in the Lord today. The goodness of the Lord will be seen in the land of the living. Nick Pitts joins us next. We're going to look at some of the headlines of the day. In particular, we're going to look at Thanksgiving, a genuinely American holiday. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen.
Nick Pitts is back. He's a fellow at the Institute for Global Engagement. Good morning, fine sir. A good morning, Carmen. Happy Tuesday to you. Happy Tuesday of Thanksgiving week. Let us taste and see that the Lord is good. Um, So let's count our blessings this week. Let's talk a little bit about Thanksgiving. It's a genuinely American holiday, but it's really a Christian um, expression of gratitude to the Lord our God. What are you giving thanks for this week at your house? Oh, there is so much to give thanks for. I guess the first thing we've got, I've got an announcement, if that's okay, Carmen. Is there a drum roll? uh, Is there a drum roll? Does does, does Paul have a drum roll? Mm-hmm. Maybe a turkey drum, turkey drum roll, turkey drum, drum leg, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, What's going so on? I uh, little. Uh, there's going to be another little pits in this world that's going to be Yay! roaming around in April. Can you believe it? That's so. Congratulations. So it's Oh, I you. can thank now you. see now now I just want to talk about that. So people are apparently <laughs> painting their baby rooms beige. I don't I don't think babies like beige, and I don't think babies should live in a beige world. What's up with that? Do you know anything about this? Earth, I know more about newborn baby stuff than I ever <laughs> thought I would over the past. Don't months. don't paint don't yes. don't paint his or her room beige like that. Oh no. No, okay. it'll definitely, it's going to be a, definitely a little girly room. That is for sure. Oh, and so, um, oh, and so we, uh, there will be all sorts of dresses and pinks and all sorts so of femininity. Great. It's just sprouting around in that room. But yeah, so um, yeah, so a lot, Congratulations. lot to be thankful for this Thanksgiving. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's That's a, so it's fun. Right now. Um, I'm beyond blessed, immeasurably blessed, and completely uh, powerless is the feeling that I have right now. So it's a good place That's to good. be. That's good. That's good. I love, I oh, just yeah. love that. But, um, all right. So let's um, let's just talk briefly here about um, sort of the secular version of the American holiday known as Thanksgiving, but then sort of, you know, maybe as how, how Christians can redeem it. Yeah, so there's just a, been a growing movement over the past few years just to emphasize a negative component uh, to Thanksgiving. I mean, we've seen this in other holidays as well, relative to Columbus Day um, and others. There's just this growing movement to, instead of thinking about what we be thankful for, but just to mourn our country's past. So this is this was initiated through Howard Zinn and People's History of the United States of America. And I mean, it was even popularized last year in the popular show Grey's Anatomy back in 2021, where there was this monologue that happened to a child of Meredith Grey, the star of the show. And she said, quote, Thanksgiving isn't really a holiday that we should celebrate. There's no actual evidence. Native Americans were even invited to a feast. I think they cared more about being colonized and having their land stolen than mashed potatoes. And there's just a growing negative antagonistic spirit um, uh, among some factions when they look back at the day of Thanksgiving. Instead of just recognizing it for what it is, there is a time to lament. There's a season to mourn what happened at the very beginning. But there's also, a we have to understand that there was more than what was happening at the very beginning than colonizers coming over. Benjamin Franklin even noted in some of those words, it's fascinating, that there were more English settlers that were leaving the settlements to go live with the Native Americans than vice versa. And he said it's because of the strong bonds and hospitality that the Native Americans extended towards the settlers. And so their, their, their company and their numbers were shrinking because of the hospitality and the bonds that Native Americans were offering. 
it, it's, it's a reminder too for us during the season of things. Yes, there were things that happened that were bad in the past, but there's also more than to the story about what happened in the past. And also, it does it shouldn't preclude us from giving thanks in the present. Yeah, I completely agree. Completely agree. We're going to take a very brief brief break. When we come back, um, Nick and I are going to. Um, we've been reading what some of our friends have been writing. Um, in response to this proposed legislation called the quote-unquote Respect for Marriage Act. Um, we have read a, a dear colleague letter um, among senators themselves, but we've also written um, a very, very public, I will call it a public discourse. <laughs> um, David French has written and others have responded to what he has written. They've done so in public. Um, and we want to talk about the varying views of the Respect for Marriage Act among um, very high-profile evangelical academics and elites. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. All joy, no stress, no worries, I'm blessed. From early in the morning to the crickets in the sun. Nick Pitts is here, and you are now going to overhear the two of us have a conversation about some of our friends and the conversations they're having in public about the Respect for Marriage Act. This is a conversation about what you think about something and how your mind is changed over time, and then how um, in public... Christians have those conversations with and about one another. So when we talk about the Respect for Marriage Act, um, senators are on board and senators are very publicly seeking to influence one another. Um, And now there are a number of very high profile evangelicals um, doing the same. So, Nick, um, maybe just, you know, very, very briefly remind everybody we've talked about it uh, already this week but you know people have slept since then and they might have eaten turkey in which case they can't think clearly anyway what is the quote-unquote respect for marriage act and why am i putting air quotes around it yeah so uh table set really quickly last week the senate passed a uh, uh, made it another step further this respect for marriage act that's been passed by the house uh, it was joined in bipartisan fashion passed with 62 votes 12 republican senators um, voted in support of it. Respect for Marriage Act, quote unquote, um, it is simply sen- uh, seeks to enshrine and, and codify the ability for same-sex marriage and interracial marriage to happen here in the U.S. This was all done in light of the rule, the Dobbs ruling from a pro-life perspective that struck down Roe over this uh, summer. Um, in the Dobbs ruling, there was mention of kind of a legal shaky footing for it. Um, for interracial and same-sex marriage, even though it was mentioned briefly about the precarious legal footing. So in response, the House and Senate have sought to pass this bill. Looks to be, um, looks like it's going to be passed here in the coming weeks and signed by President Biden. 
And now there is a growing uh, debate within conservative evangelical Christian, we'll just say Christian circles. I'd say right now there are at least two factions that have emerged. There's one faction um, that uh, very much is still adamantly against the redefinition of marriage, uh, continuing the line of thinking that marriage is between a man and a woman. This is um, this is not precluding gay individuals from marrying people. It's precluding them from marrying, uh, redefining marriage to mar- to join in union with someone of the same sex. And so there is one faction that is still holding strong uh, on that one side. And then uh, the other side now, uh, we're, we're starting to see grow within evangelical sentiment, an idea that was popularized probably 10, 20 years ago, of this idea of civil unions, of a mar- marital civil unions for gay individuals. And this side is uh, being represented now as of late by David French, who came out um, just to be overtly broad for the sake of brevity. Uh, saw a delineation between uh, the biblical, uh, still biblically against same-sex marriage, but from a civil standpoint, says that it would be uproarious and would cause too much consternation within the greater population to take away same-sex unions now after they've been enshrined in the law for these number of years. And so now he has come out in support of civil civil same-sex unions. So that's a really good summary. Um, For those of you who are going to want to read all of the documentation related to this and the back and forth, um, all the links will be included in the show notes today. You can get those later today at MyFaithRadio.com when the show is posted as podcast. Or if you subscribe to Mornings with Carmen, wherever you get your podcast, it will be in your description. All of the links to these articles will be in there. Um, David French's, which is in the dispatch, Why I Changed My Mind About Law and Marriage, walking through my flip-flop flip on one of the toughest issues of our time. And then um, uh, Albert Moeller's response, the parable of David uh, French, this is how conservatism dies and this is how marriage is surrendered. Um, First of all, here's something that I I genuinely appreciate and I think maybe is uh, something applicable to to all of us, Nick, and that is, you know, over time— um, we do change our mind about some things, like right. God, uh, God does transform our thinking on some things, but He always transforms our thinking. Or we, as Christians, are supposed to submit to our thinking being transformed according to the Word of God. And so, I want to I want to be sure we we note that. Um, I also think that today, you know, we can no longer make assumptions that someone stands today the same place they stood on a particular issue the last time we talked to them. Um, and so I'm, I'm finding that, you know, even among people I've known for a long time um, or people who, you know, because we are in the same quote unquote group, I make assumptions that they believe as I do um, on a range of things. I'm finding that I really have to stop and ask. I really have to stop and ask. And, and I have to then carefully listen to people's response. So um you know, I, I just I just say things like, hey, I'm just curious, you know, like I, I feel like I feel like there was a time we were on the same page about this. And I just um, I just I just sort of want to test that water. Like, where are you on this marriage uh, conversation today or where are you today on the conversation related to abortion or 
Where are you today on conversations about immigration or capital punishment, human rights, animal rights, environmental concerns? I mean, like pick your right and pick your venom in the in the in the culture today. Um, where are you in the conversation about sexuality, particularly if I know they have a family member or somebody who they love who has recently, you know, um, identified as non-binary or queer? You know, I am definitely going to ask, like, where where are you right now? Um, on this particular issue and topic, I know where I am, Nick, and I don't, I don't necessarily need in that conversation to express that, but I do need to find out where my friend is, where my colleague is in their thinking on something. And then I can test and ask, how, how did your mind change on that? How was your mind changed on that topic? And if their answer is anything, but, you know, God moved me by his word, um, then, you know, then I'm going to have a place to stand and nudge them in the direction of exploring what God has said about these things and invite them to let scripture be a mirror to their thinking. I, I completely agree. Um, we never want to be afraid. We never want to be afraid to ask questions, but we also never want to be afraid to accept answers. And I think a mind that remains unchanged in every aspect is a mind that has been stunted in growth. There are certain things that there's no changing. God's mm-hmm. not changing. The cross isn't changing. Our, our sin is not changing. Our sinful nature is not changing. God's redemptive grace isn't changing. It's transforming, but it's not changing us. Or it's changing us, rather. And I think one of the things, I wanna, if I want to seek the peace, as it says in the biblical narrative, it's very clear that the Al Mohler camp and the David French camp, they both still biblically agree that there is not a case to be made for same-sex marriage. Now, where there is disagreement is from the civil perspective. It, is, it, is it prudent? Is it right? Is it, is it should? We continue to be against civil same-sex unions. David French says that we should we shouldn't be against them anymore. We should be accepting of them. It, it would just be too tumultuous to pull this underneath the rug. Uh, Al Moore has uh, and his camp has said uh, it still stands from a conservative uh, conservatism within Christianity standpoint, from a theistic standpoint, that we still have to be against it, even if we are unpopular with it. That's fine. That's on it. I appreciate the honesty. From an outsider's perspective, I would say, though, it is important for us just to be transparent as well as consistent in our thinking. One of the biggest critiques I would offer of evangelicalism and Christendom over the past, we'll say, six years is that there has been an inconsistency relative to the ethic that's been applied. Um, and it is it lessens your credibility with the inconsistency not being acknowledged. And so with various factions speaking out in this debate in particular, the inconsistencies are can be glaring. Um, and it's important for us just to recognize and to acknowledge, like you said before, where we have changed our minds and because your credibility lays on the line, I would argue. I 100% agree. Yeah. Um, all right. If you need a little, uh, if you need a little refresher, every time um, Nick used the word faction today, and you said to yourself, "What are the factions among evangelicalism today?" We actually talked about that yesterday. We identified five different um, identifiable factions in evangelicalism today. We had a conversation with Dr. Corbin Hornbeek here on the show. You could get hour two from yesterday. Um, you can grab that podcast at MyFaithRadio.com or wherever you subscribe to your podcast. You're looking for Mornings with Carmen. Nick, as always, thank you so much. Nick is a fellow at the Institute for Global Engagement. Um, you can get uh, the briefing every day from thebriefing.net.
You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBurge. This is Faith Radio. All right, sometimes because uh, many of us or most of us live in democracies of one variety or another, um, we sort of miss out on the king and kingdom business um, that's going on in other parts of the world. And so a couple of things happened yesterday um, among kings and kingdoms, and I just want to read you in on this so that when you hear it, you will have a context for entering into the conversation. This is going to be a conversation about Saudi Arabia. So King Hamad bin Isa al-Khalifa issued a royal decree on Monday accepting the resignation of the government. Okay, The king then appointed the crown prince, Salman bin Hamad, that name you recognize, right, um, as prime minister. So he now has an official position. Uh, a a recognized inter, an internationally recognized position in the government uh, governmental structure of Saudi Arabia. He's now the prime minister, and he has been tasked to form a new government and appoint members of a new cabinet. Why does that matter to us? Well, you know, anytime there is a, a major shift, um, you know, at the top of a, a, a of a government in the world, it matters. But then, and this happens on a regular basis when new people are appointed as heads of state and other high positions of authority in governments around the world, um, they are then um, granted immunity here in the United States of America, right? So it is an act of the State Department um, to, uh, to, I don't know how to, to grant immunity to people who are considered royal or who people who are considered in a um, uh, a position of authority. They become legally immune from being complained against internationally in terms of courts of law. So it doesn't, it's not really a decision of whoever the sitting president is at the time, um, but Biden is getting a ton of heat um, because this particular individual, everyone knows, is responsible for the brutal um, awful killing of Jamal Khashoggi, um, the dismembering of his body and and then lying about it. So um, Khashoggi, a reporter for The Washington Post, um, killed under orders of the crown prince Mohammed bin Salman. Um, and everybody knows that. And yet, you know, now he will not be, quote unquote, held accountable because he now has been granted this immunity. Well, the immunity is granted because his position has changed. He's now the prime minister, which is a different deal than being the crown prince, which is sort of like the, you know, king in waiting. So Luke Ben's going to join us. We're going to talk about other things going on around the world. We're going to stick with this part of the world. We're going to talk about uh, what's developing at the World Cup in Qatar or Qatar, depending on how you pronounce it. Um, we're also going to talk about what the Ira- Iranian national soccer team refused to do yesterday at the World Cup. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. The wise men will bow down before the throne, and at his feet they'll cast their golden crowns when the man comes around. 
Luke Moon is back. You can find him at the Philos Project and at Providence Magazine. Philos is P-H-I-L-O-S, philosproject.org. Good morning, Luke. Good morning, Carmen. All right. The World Cup. Are you a fan of, uh, you know, global football versus, you know, being a fan of American football? Listen, I, I, every four years get excited about global football, uh, particularly when the U S happens to be playing in said global football, uh, tournament. If the U S is not playing, I'm less excited. Uh, I, I did turn on the TV, had it on in the background yesterday when the U S played, uh, Wales. Uh, how did so, we do? How did we do? You can be the uh, one we, you can, we, you can bring the sports report today. We, we tied. We tied. Yes. <laughs> one, one. Yeah. One, one. <laughs> we were ahead uh, for a, for a good bit there, but you know, in the right there, they got, they got a, to shoot a penalty kick against us and, and they, they tied it up. So, okay. So there's, yeah. there's an actual, there are actual games being played. I mean, like real people yes. on a field running around, kicking yes. a real ball into a real net, but much of the drama um, at the world cup has nothing to do with what's happening. Like, on the field of play during the game. Talk about uh, some of what's going on around the World Cup. Talk about what sometimes happens in the stands. And then definitely share with people um, what the Iranian national soccer team refused to do yesterday um, because that that seems a significant act at the World Cup. It was. So, I mean, there's a couple of things going on. One is that the World Cup is in the country of Qatar, which is like, you know, it's uh, in the Middle East. It's, you know, it's uh, near like the United Arab Emirates and those countries over in near Saudi Arabia. It's mostly Sunni, which is which tends to be, uh, you know, aligned with the other uh, Saudi like the Saudis and stuff like that. Uh, and sorry, sorry. hey, good morning. Fourth Which time. one is that? Which one is that? That that, that was uh, it's Bruce, Lord Bruce. Hello, yes, my Lord wife's Bruce. Out of town, good morning. So I have it's okay. I have the uh, I have the duty of <laughs> taking care of the uh, toddlers. It's driving me crazy. So, anyways, <laughs> uh, the 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 issue is that they don't allow alcohol which is big for obviously football fans. If you know, have you ever seen the, you know, the English football fan thing, it's like a lot of beer. There's a lot of beer to be had. Then you have the, um, uh, they don't, uh, they're not into the whole LGBT thing. And so that has been a big deal. And then a most interesting one, it's if, if you're pregnant and have to get any kind of care, they're expecting that you show uh, a marriage license. So, you know, oh, stuff like that. That's yeah, interesting, yeah. right? Huh. I know, okay. right? And, and so the controversy is, is basically the result of uh, Western countries, particularly where soccer is, you know, is very popular and has a lot of players, are a little less excited. You know, they're not excited about the fact that they don't get to uh, – fly the rainbow flag everywhere. And uh, yeah. that has led to some major controversy. Uh, it led to uh, the countries of, uh, I think it was Germany and England and the Netherlands and Belgium were all going to wear rainbow flag armbands. And, it, and uh, that, but in, 
in advance, the captain was warned that if they wear them, that there will be, uh, they'll be red or not red carded, but yellow yellow carded. carded. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which means that if you get two of those, you're out. And so they didn't want to do that. And so they all kind of backed down. Uh, so there's a lot of those types of controversies taking place. It's a little, um, you know, so So all of that's going on, but I totally want people to know what happened when the Iranian national soccer team lined up uh, to uh, for the first game for their first game in the World Cup. So what did they not do, Luke? They did not. uh, They did not sing their national anthem. And and why? I mean, like this seems like a big deal. It is, but it's you know it's in solidarity with the uh, the protesters. That are protesting that. over the over the, you know basically the hijab revolution that's taking place in Iran, and you know it's it's one of those things, Carl, where we've talked about it for a few weeks now because you know it's it's been it's been going on, but uh, you know the the revolution particularly, but it hasn't ended. You know, it, mm-hmm. yeah, it's not on Twitter and on Instagram as much as it was before, but. It's it's still happening and it's still happening in a significant way. And uh, the the soccer players were like, we're going to stand in solidarity with uh, with the uh, with the people instead of the regime. Yeah, I think that when we it's hard for us to know, like because we can't go back in time and and say, okay, this is when protests began in relationship to a particular event. And then it took, you know, really, it took this long for the momentum to build and the energy to build until the government was actually, um, you know, there was either a revolution or there was a coup. Something happened and there was a change in um, in authority. I mean, you'd have to you'd have to know how to search history for the roots of something. Um, and maybe in some places we can see that. But my guess is in most places um, there won't be the kind of timeline that will be available if, in fact, if, in fact, these protests eventually result in. Um, some kind of transition in the government of Iran. And, um, you know, I'll just I'll just pray that the blood that has been shed to this point be all the blood that need be shed um, if the people of Iran really do want a substantive change in the leadership of their country. Well, I think the, the interesting part is we've talked about this before, about the fact that a lot of the revolutions or the protests or the national kind of movements have kind of fallen flat and, you know, as long as the regime figured out it could hold on, it, it outlasted the timeline of the, you know, basically the, the the tolerance of people who are used to, you know, things changing all the time. And, mm-hmm. you know, and it, but I think we might be have in this kind of unique moment because, you know, back in the day, basically before, I don't know, cell phones, revolutions took place. And you would have a natural leader rise up from within the people, right? As opposed to what, you know, has been talked about a lot is, oh, maybe the Shah will go back or maybe this leader who's, you know, uh, exiled in France, he'll go back. But none of that has happened. And it's, you know, I think it's because none of them want to. But I also think that, you know, 
it, it could be just like revolutions of old in which you have a natural leader rise up within the nation itself and throw off the shackles of oppression. Like, you know, it's Book of Judges. It's, you know, Gideon. It's But it's also, you know, think of the the dynasties in in China that changed over the centuries, right? Mm-hmm. Because people mm-hmm. just were fed up. And it wasn't like there was some ruler, you know, in you know, some in Japan who was just waiting to get back and rule the nation again. It was always somebody, just a natural leader rising up from within the people. And, you know, it's like that again, because the Iranian regime will have taken out anybody who, who, who up until this moment was seen as a threat. Mm-hmm. And now they can't do that because they don't have the, the 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 movement is growing so strong that they can't take out everybody. And the and you're going to begin to have these natural leaders rise up. And I you know whether it'll be young men or or women or I I I don't know what that will look like. But I think we're on to we we might actually have uh, an overthrow by uh by a real leader that's in the nation now which would be yeah. really cool honestly I, I that i'm i'm actually kind of excited about it i've been reading a lot of articles where pundits are saying well maybe this guy or maybe we'll do a transitional government but it always relies on the 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 exiles and i mm-hmm. just don't think that that that's how this is going to unfold i don't think the exiles are going to actually lead the country. I think it's going to come down to natural born leaders rising up young, strong, you know, the, and like it, like we used to until, you know, the iPhone. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the midnight, the, the, the midnight ride of Paul Revere. I mean, that is an unknown yes. guy yes. until, you know, he's handed a lantern on a horse and sent South. Right. I mean, you know, exactly. like go, go let exactly. everybody know the British are coming. Yeah. Um, all right. Hey, Luke, let's um, let's return to this conversation in just a moment. It is Thanksgiving week. So we're going to talk about um, the blessings that we experience as Americans and how the world experiences the generosity of the American people through um, our global relationships. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of what we do on live radio every day. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio, tons of free resources just waiting for you at myfaithradio.com. Right now, we're inviting you to share your Faith Radio story. What do you love about Faith Radio? What do you love about Mornings with Carmen? How has this program changed the way you think or the way you live, the way you engage others in the conversations of the day. We really do want to hear from you. Your story could encourage someone else and certainly glorify God. So share what you love about Faith Radio by calling 877-933-2484 and leave us a message today. Again, thanks for listening. Luke Moon is here from the Philos Project and Providence Magazine. Hey, Luke, it is Thanksgiving week, so, you know, gobble, gobble. Uh, favorite <laughs> Thanksgiving side? Like, are you a turkey person? I mean, I don't know if you're not. I, we might have I, to end the, I, end the conversation I, right now. 
<laughs> no, I am a I'm a turkey person. I do like the turkey. Uh, my I swear my dog's crazy. It's um, I I do like the turkey, and I like the cranberry salad. I'm uh, a, I okay, do, what do you? I do. Okay, now there's a lot of there's a lot of variety related to the cranberry situation. So describe to me the cranberry item that you're having on Thursday that you would prefer to have on Thursday. So it's made with actual cranberries. It's not out of mm-hmm. a can, and mm-hmm. you and you you know it has some walnuts in it. It has. Mm-hmm. Uh, Is it cold celery. or hot? It's cold. Oh, oh it's cold. It's cold. cold. Mm-hmm. It's cold. It's a salad. It's like, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, and uh, okay. it, you know you cook down the the cranberries. They kind of mm-hmm. uh, when they cool, they they congeal, you know, become more mm-hmm. jello like, mm-hmm. and. Um, they're, Sounds yeah, delicious. They're good. It, it, it's it's just good. I just like it. So mine this year is very similar to that. I um I like playing around with the cranberry um option because I like the cranberry in so many varieties of ways. And actually, um, Paul's going to share a recipe today for a cranberry wild rice bread. That um yeah, it's going to be a new addition to the to the uh, Laberge Thanksgiving lineup this year. Wow. That's ex- that's cool. I know, right? Little left. Yeah, I also like though. I, a, I also yeah. like sweet potato souffle though. You know, that's and, also okay. And does that have? T- tell me about that. Is that pecans and brown sugar and um, mm-hmm. and marshmallows on top? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Well, Just the marshmallows checking. are not. The marshmallows aren't absolutely necessary, but the brown mm-hmm. sugar and yeah, basically the brown sugar and nuts is mm-hmm. is required. Explicitly. I think so too. Yeah, I think so, too. And I actually like to um, get my pecans a little bit caramelized before I Mm. put them on, because otherwise they either are smushy or they burn. Like, I can't figure that part out. Yeah. So I like to gently caramelize mine on and then basically just put them on as a topping at the end. I know. Oh, that's a good idea. I, okay. I don't quite have all that worked out. Okay, talk about American generosity. Um, What's, you know, what's the world thinking about America these days? Well, there was a survey by Pew this week that showed uh, that we are liked by places like Poland and Israel and South Korea and Japan. They really like us. Like uh, in like in Poland, it was like they did a survey of of uh, fourteen nations, and Poland ninety one percent of the people liked us, which is like oh, that's pretty cool. That's amazing, right? Yeah. No, and it, and 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 Israel was like in the eighty percent range, and most of them, most of the countries, uh, Greece, for whatever reason, I was surprised to see of all the countries, Greece was the least uh, supportive, liked the U.S. the least. I don't know what we did to Greece. Mm. I don't feel like mm. I, we did anything to Greece lately, but for whatever mm. reason, we're on the we're in the doghouse with the Greeks. Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay, it's good to know. Yeah, um, yeah. The doghouse. Um, uh, we appreciate. <laughs> There's no pun intended with the no. uh, dogs in the background. I'm <laughs> doing my best here. We love you. We love you. We have to cut our conversation um, just a little bit short today, so that Paul and I can go over the um, recipe for the wild rice cranberry bread before the bottom of the hour. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Thank All you, right. brother. Then happy Thanksgiving. It's... Oh, you too. Thank you. We love. We love you. Bye bye. Love you too. All right. When we come back, Paul Perot on this Taste and See Tuesday with Wild Rice Cranberry Bread. That's up next. You're on Mornings with Carmen.
All right, it is Taste and See Tuesday uh, here on Mornings with Carmen, and Paul Perot is going to share a little bit about this amazing wild rice cranberry bread that uh, that he and Jessica had, and then they tracked on a recipe for, and now they have made it. I don't know, draw us in, make our mouths water, Paul. Okay, it all started when this past October, when my wife and I took some time off, we went out. Western Minnesota, there's a little town called Starbuck. And in that town, there's a little cafe called the Nutcracker Cafe, Christmas-themed. And when we were having breakfast there, uh, the my wife ordered an omelet, and, and they said, what type of toast do you want? And she, Jessica first said, oh, let's just do it. Wait, wait, wait. Let me tell you what toast we have. And they mentioned cranberry wild rice. And so she, we both kind of went, ooh. And we tried it and fell in love. Now, they don't make it themselves. They get it from a vendor. But... It got us our mouths watering, and so we did a quick search online, and we'll have the link in the show notes for a bread machine recipe of cranberry wild rice bread, which is so, so good. And we're not saying that the recipe that we're sharing with you um, from Three Boys and a Dog is necessarily the exactly only one. The no, same no, one. it's just the one we It's came certainly across. not the only one, it's the one we've come across. Right. And so there you go. Um, and so if you have adaptations or you have a different one, Actually, you know, I, we're I, certainly open to your input. I do have one ad- <laughs> adaptation because it calls for three uh, cups of of uh, bread flour. I do two oh. cups of bread flour and then some whole wheat, another cup of whole wheat. Then I usually have to add a little bit more flour as it's it's kneading because it's usually not enough. I just measure that out as you need. So mm-hmm. that's the only Flex- major. Be flexible on the Be flour. Flexible. Yes, yes. So, okay, it's so, I, it's so good. It's so good. Um, I'm gonna try it with um, with uh, maybe like cranberries that are not completely dehydrated, like oh. maybe cooked like halfway down. Actually, what we're, I know what we're thinking mm-hmm. about doing, maybe not this time, but I'm saving the crust in the freezer at some point. <gasps> I'm thinking of using that as the base for a dressing. Oh, see, that's delicious. That already <laughs> sounds delicious. Yes, Okay, that it? sounds so good. Okay, it is Taste and See Tuesday or Tasty Tuesday here on Mornings with Carmen. If you want the uh, the recipe that we're using for the wild rice cranberry bread, it's going to be in the show notes for today. You can get those at MyFaithRadio.com um, or you can get them uh, wherever you get your podcast. So you should be signed up, like, right, subscribe to the podcast. And then when you get... The podcast download in the description is all the links to all the things that we talk about on the show, as well as the information about the people we talk with. And today, um, you're going to have this wonderful recipe. All right. You should also sign up today at MyFaithRadio.com for our Reading the Bible Together during Advent series. There's also an opportunity there for you to um, recommend or nominate a person in need in your community for what we're doing at Christmas. Yeah, it's going to be really fun. Would craisins work? Yes, actually, craisins, that is what's in there. Dried cranberries, craisins, same thing. Jim from Simsbury, you got it. All right, we got another hour of Mornings with Carmen up next. Stay tuned. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.